The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Zion Primitive Baptist Church in Zion, Alabama. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com. Welcome to the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. This podcast is an outreach of Zion Primitive Baptist Church located in the Zion community near Gordo, Alabama. I'm Elder Chris McCoon. I serve as pastor of Zion Church. We're a congregation of believers who trust in the simple message of God's sovereign grace, where families come together to worship God in spirit and in truth through the simplicity of preaching, praying, and singing. Zion Primitive Baptist Church is located at 9487 County Road 49, Gordo, Alabama. If you live in the Gordo area or if you are visiting in the area, please join us for worship. We meet every Sunday at 1030 a.m. and 5 p.m. and on the first and third Wednesday evenings at 630 p.m. One of the primary themes of the book of Hebrews is the fact that Jesus and the New Covenant are better than the prophets in the Old Covenant. Yesterday, we began to see from the third chapter of the book of Hebrews that Jesus is better than Moses. Moses was the greatest prophet in the estimation of the Jews of Jesus' day. But even so, Jesus was greater than Moses. You see, even though Moses brought the law to the Jewish people from Mount Sinai, It was God who gave it, and Jesus himself is very God. The point is that the creator is greater than the creation. The lawgiver is greater than the law, and Jesus is greater than Moses because he is both the creator and the lawgiver. Today we continue looking at this concept of how Jesus is greater than Moses, and we conclude with the understanding that the house that Jesus built is greater than any house or temple that it was ever built in the days of the Jews. You see, the church is the house that Jesus built, and we are his house. It's not a building. It's not a geographic location. It's the people of God. And Jesus has said, where two or three are gathered in my name, there I will be in the midst of them. Join us today for the conclusion of this sermon better than Moses. But first, we have a song selection that I hope you enjoy. After the song, please stay tuned for another message of God's sovereign grace from the Zion Primitive Baptist Church pulpit.
having considered Moses, let's consider the Lord Jesus Christ for a few minutes. Remember what it said in chapter 3? Here it said, Consider the apostle and high priest of our profession, Christ Jesus. That's an interesting thing to, uh, to consider. And, and, and let me just say this too. Notice, let's, let's look quickly first. Who is it he's talking to? Who is it he's talking to? He said, Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling. We just can't get away from the teaching that it's only the regenerated that this book is written to. We just can't get away from it. It is only to those who are partakers of the heavenly calling. Now you can talk about all the things that we ought to do like repent. This morning we talked about the, the basic rules of the kingdom of God are repent and believe the gospel. You know, in the kingdom of God, you know, it's a new kind of kingdom than they were expecting. It was different than what they expected. It was a spiritual kingdom. It cometh not by observation. And we're in that kingdom right now, the church kingdom right now. You know what the basic rules of the kingdom that we're in now is? It is repent and believe the gospel, okay? Now, the world tells you you've got to repent and believe the gospel in order to get born again. But he was talking to people who are already born again. He told Nicodemus, you can't even see the kingdom of God if you haven't been born again. So what they're saying that you have to do to get born again are things you ought to do because you've been born again. Repent, that is, quit thinking worldly and start thinking in a worldview that includes Christ and his kingdom. And repent of that, change your mind toward that, and believe the gospel, the good news. Believe it. Trust it. I want to tell you, there's no hope in this world if you don't trust it. He's talking to people here who are partakers of the heavenly calling. And he says, consider the apostle and high priest of our profession. This is those who have already made a profession. He's talking specifically, I believe here, to children of God who've been born again and have believed and have trusted. You see, you can be born again and not yet have believed. You can be born again and still be trying to trust in your own works. Over in the 10th chapter of Romans, we read about some Jews like that. They were trying to work their way to heaven, even though they were, had a zeal of God. They'd been born again. But these here, these Jews particularly, I believe, that he's writing to here, had already been born again and had placed their trust in Christ. And he said, let's consider him. By the way, that's, if you look at what the purpose of the book of Hebrews is, it seems to me there's probably more than just this. I don't, I don't, I'm not adamant that this is the only purpose, but it seems to me that one of the primary purposes of the book of Hebrews is to encourage those who have been born of the Spirit and have trusted Christ, but who are struggling in this world and apt to fall back into law worship if they're not careful. And that's really all of us, isn't it? <laughs> that's really all of us. So he said, consider the apostle and high priest of our profession. So look at, it's an interesting term, isn't it? He calls Jesus our apostle. So the reference here is not to the 12 apostles and not to Paul or Peter or any particular apostle. The reference here is to Christ himself. Now, why is he calling him an apostle? Well, an apostle, the one who is an apostle, literally it means a delegate or a messenger. It's one who is sent forth with orders. 
And that's what the apostles were. They were sent forth with orders. There's, there were certain qualifications for being an apostle, one of which was they had to have seen Christ in person and been personally called by him, I believe. But our great apostle, our great messenger, our great one who is sent forth with orders is the Lord Jesus Christ. I, you don't have to turn back over there, but if you go back to uh, Isaiah chapter 42 and verse 1, You'll, hear, you'll read about mine elect. He talks about mine elect. You know, there's a sense in which the Lord Jesus Christ is the first elect. <laughs> He's the first one. Ch- now, that doesn't mean he was created. It doesn't mean he hadn't always been that person. He has always been the, the son of God he, in, in his person and work. He's always been that. Look at Isaiah chapter 42. He said, behold, my servant, verse 1, Isaiah 42 and verse 1. Behold my servant whom I uphold, mine elect, in whom my soul delighteth. I have put my spirit upon him. He shall bring forth judgment to the Gentiles. He shall not cry, nor lift up, nor cause his voice to be heard in the street. A bruised reed shall he not break, and the smoking flax shall he not quench. He shall bring forth judgment unto truth. He shall not fail, nor be discouraged, till he have set judgment in the earth. And the isles shall wait for his law. Turn sometime over to Matthew chapter 12 and verse 18 and you'll read the quote to this in the New Testament. It's referring to the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, the Lord is, he, we hear sometimes about the chosen few. I hope you'll dismiss that term because there's not, no such thing as a chosen few. We're told in uh, he, uh, Romans chapter 8 and verse 29 that he is predestined, we're predestinated to be conformed to the image of his son that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. You see, our Lord was an apostle. He was one sent forth with orders. So what was he sent forth to do? Over in John, the 17th chapter, he himself declares what he has done in his work. Notice in John chapter 17 and verse 4. We don't have time to read it all, but you read it sometime. He said, I have glorified thee on the earth. I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. What was the work? Look back in verse 2. As thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. That's the work. He's given eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. He's glorified God on earth by finishing that work. And in verse 8, he says, For I have given unto them the words that thou gavest unto me. He said, They have received them, and have surely known that I came out from thee, and they have believed that thou didst sent me. Notice he's given the disciples the words that were given to him from his Father. The message that was given him by his Father, he passed that on to his disciples, and that's the same message we preach today. Verse 26, just to uh, sort of wrap it all up, he said, And I have declared unto them thy name, and will declare it, that the love wherewith thou hast loved me may be in them, and I in them. That's what he was sent forth to do. He was sent forth to give eternal life to how many? To all that would receive him, that all would accept him, that all would pray the right prayers and do the right things? No, to as many as thou hast given me. And you know what he said on the cross? He said, It's finished. I just have to take him at his word. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't have anything to add to that. I, I, you know, I, I wouldn't want to add to it if I could, Brother Craig, but I, I sure don't want to add to it when the word of God ends there. It is finished. He did what he was sent forth to do as our great apostle, our great messenger sent forth with orders. But notice also he calls him a high priest. 
So for briefly, let's look at his high priesthood. You know, the high priestship, the high priesthood was the highest position in the order of religious worship in Israel. As far as men goes, he was untouchable. You remember Moses up on the mountain, when he went up on the mountain, they could not bear to see his face. They, he came back down, and in a sense, Moses, he, really, he wasn't the, technically the high priest, but in a sense, he was like a high priest going up into the presence of God on behalf of the people. And when he came down from the mountain, his face shone so brightly with the glory of God that they could not look upon him. They could not bear to see his face. Oh, but, but not so our high priest. Not so Christ. Look in chapter 4 and verse 15. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are and yet without sin. Our high priest is not one whose face has to be veiled from us. Our high priest is not one that we can't touch, that we can't go to. He tells us to come boldly before the throne of grace where he sits on that throne. That wasn't the way they understood God in the time. And in fact, that wasn't the way they could worship God back then. The high priest of Israel could only even go into the presence of the Shekinah glory of God one time a year on the Day of Atonement. The job of the high priest was to make intercession for the people. Turn with me over to Hebrews chapter 9 just for a minute. We're going to bring this to a close here in just a few minutes. Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 6. He's talked about already the, the, the ordinances of the worldly sanctuary, the tabernacle and so forth. And he said in verse 6, When these things were thus ordained, the priests went always that is, constantly into the first tabernacle, accomplishing the service of God. But into the second went the high priest alone, once every year, not without blood, which he offered for himself and for the errors of the people, the Holy Ghost thus signifying that the way into the holiest of all was not yet made manifest, while as the first tabernacle was yet standing, which was a figure for the time then present. And he goes on to talk about that and about the carnal ordinances and the earthly ordinances, the meats and the drinks. In verse 10 he says, those were in place until the time of reformation. In verse 11, but Christ being come and high priest of good things to come by a greater and more perfect tabernacle not made with hands, that is to say not of this building, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. <laughs> I've got to stop there and just say this. I don't see any future potential here. I don't see any ifs or maybes or uh, conditions or anything. It says he has already obtained, having obtained eternal redemption for us. How was our eternal redemption obtained? By Christ having entered by his own blood once into the holy place. And you know, it goes on to talk about how that the, the priest would always standing, always working, but Christ sat down at the right hand of the Father. You see, his high priesthood, he was our great high priest who interceded on our behalf. And now notice that as we go on down and bring, as I said, kind of bring this to a close in verse 2 of chapter 3 of Hebrews, we're told that he was faithful to him that appointed him. We need to consider his faithfulness, beloved. Moses was faithful, we're told, in all of his house, but he was still a sinner. 
But Jesus was faithful in all of his house, and he had no sin within him. He only had our sin upon him. And you see, he tells it. You remember Jesus said one time, The servant is not greater than the Lord, nor he that is sent greater than he that sent him. Beloved, the servant, Moses, was not greater than the one who sent him. His faithfulness far exceeds the faithfulness of all the servants. He said, this man was counted worthy of more glory than Moses because the one who built a house is a lot more honorable than the house itself. You know, I love this building here. I'm thankful for this building. And it's an honorable looking building. It looks nice. It's a great place to come out of the, uh, out of the, uh, the weather and out of the heat and the cold, whatever it may be, we can adjust it, it's great. But I don't worship this house. I don't give great honor to this house as great as I give to the one that built it. The one that built it is worthy of more honor. The house is just sitting here. It was operated upon by the builder. It was worked upon by the workman. And you see, that's what he's saying here, is that Moses doesn't deserve as much glory as Christ because Moses is the creation Christ is the creator. And he was a faithful creator. He, his faithfulness far exceeded the faithfulness of all of his servants. You remember over in chapter 50 of Isaiah where verse 6 says, I gave my back to the smiters and my cheeks to them that plucked off the hair. I hid not my face from spitting and shame. That's clearly a reference to Christ. The very next verse says, For the Lord God will help me, therefore shall I not be confounded. Therefore have I set my face like a flint. And I know that I shall not be ashamed. Jesus Christ set his face like a flint toward Calvary. And he finished the work that was given him to do. So finally, let's consider one other thing in verse 6. Let's consider ourselves. Because there's a great statement in, chat, in verse 6 here that we don't need to miss. In verse 6 it says, but Christ... He's talking about Moses being faithful in verse 5. Let's just go back to verse 5. Moses verily was faithful in all his house as a servant for a testimony of those things which were to be spoken after. Moses had the tabernacle. The Jews eventually had the temple. But notice this. But Christ as a son over his own house, whose house are we? Did you get that? There was a physical temple, there was a physical tabernacle, but now the house of Christ is not a physical a temple, it is us. We are the temple of God. We are the temple of Christ, and Christ as a son over his own house was faithful to us. He was faithful. You remember this, we can't stop our consideration before verse 6 because, you know, the if you go back to the beginning of chapter 2, he's talking about giving the more earnest heed that we, don't, that we don't become unfaithful, that we don't let these things slip. And if we can remember that this in the house that's the church, we are the house. We're the church, you see. What is it he said over in, over in uh, uh, 1 Peter chapter 2? I believe it is. Just a few pages over. 1 Peter chapter 2. Listen to this. Verse 1. Wherefore, laying aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisies and envies and all evil speakings, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word, that ye may grow thereby, if so be that ye have tasted that the Lord uh, is gracious. 
And he goes, he says, To whom coming as unto a living stone, disallowed indeed of men, but chosen of God, and precious, ye also as lively stones are built up a spiritual house and holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. We are lively living stones. We are the house of God. We're that kingdom that one day he's going to deliver up. We are that people that he's going to say one day, Behold, I and the children thou hast given me. We are his house. We need to consider him the great apostle and high priest of our calling, but we also need to consider ourselves. And he says here, we need to hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm unto the end. The visible aspect of the kingdom of God, the church itself, is something special. Yes, every single elect child of God is in the kingdom of God in one sense. But those of us that have been blessed to find the treasure in the field, we are living stones that the Lord has placed and has built up into a holy habitation for Him. And we don't need to let ourselves crumble. We don't let, our, let ourselves fall out of place. We don't need to let ourselves slip back. We need to hold fast the confidence and rejoicing of the hope firm unto the end because we who are His house are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a peculiar people who have been chosen by the great apostle and high priest of our calling. Aren't we great? Aren't we thankful that he is so great, that he is so mighty, and yet he has looked so low to bring a people as, as needy and helpless and unable to help ourselves as we are and put us into this spiritual house. I hope this has been helpful to you. May the Lord bless his words to our hearing. Thank you for joining us today on the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. I hope the message has been uplifting and beneficial to you, and that the Lord will continue to bless you to grow in grace and knowledge of the truth. Join us again tomorrow for another message of God's sovereign grace. If you would like to subscribe to our website, please go to www.zionpbc.com and sign up for email updates. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact the church at zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. That's zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. Or you can email me directly at jchrismacool at gmail.com. That's the letter J-C-H-R-I-S-M-C-C-O-O-L at gmail.com. Again, thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you is my prayer. We thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com.